0: batting for the Cubs Corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner, presented by Coach's Bar and Grill, located at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Great food, great ownership, and they are, of course, open for pickup and delivery if you can't get inside to make sure you get to Coach's. My name's Anthony Pasquale, and on this episode, we have a very special guest, former softball player and current excellent writer for NBC Sports Chicago, Maddie Lee. Thanks for coming on the show, Maddie.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for that awesome introduction.
1: Yeah, of course. So, first of all, I just want to ask, just so you can describe to me and our listeners here, what describe the road you took to become a beat writer for first the Cubs and now the Chicago White Sox. Yeah,
0: it was winding for sure. Um, like you mentioned, I played softball. I played Division three softball at Lewis and Clark College and actually going in I kind of had my sights set on going more physical therapy route and I had Tommy John surgery after my freshman year so I spent a ton of time in the training room. I worked as a student athletic trainer so that at first going into school was my my kind of goal, my idea of what I wanted my career to be. And just kind of as a fun hobby, I was writing for the paper. I'd done that in high school as well. And then partway through college, I realized like, oh no, this is actually what I want to do. And did a, I hadn't declared my major yet, but I was thinking chemistry did a complete switch and went communications instead and haven't looked back. And my, my, This job has taken me to Kentucky to cover high school football and other sports as well. And then Utah covering soccer briefly to Mississippi covering college football and then before coming to Chicago, my last stop was in Oklahoma City covering the NBA. So I've done a little bit of just about everything, uh, but it's been really fun the last couple years. Although a, a weird couple years uh, to be back covering baseball and you know the sport that was really my first love.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You have the the COVID year that shortened everything, and then last year was somewhat back to normal, but not totally, and and now the lockout. So just before we get into more baseball stuff, is Chicago original home for you? Like, are you back home or still kind of on the road?
0: This is kind of like my second, or it's become like my second home. I'm originally from Seattle. And Seattle has such a special place in my heart. Uh, But I went to grad school out here in Chicago. So the opportunity to come back, the program was only 12 months long, and I spent my last quarter in San Francisco doing an internship. So I'd only got nine months in Chicago and loved it so much and wished that it could have been longer. And then this job opportunity came up and I jumped at it right away to get some more time back in Chicago. And I absolutely love it here.
1: Nice. So like I said, um, you spent some time with the Cubs and then now are with the Sox. When exactly did that switch happen?
0: I believe it was September. Um, it was, as as you well know, the trade deadline was quite busy for the Cubs. And we had three people, uh, myself, Gordon Wittenmeyer, and Tim Stebbins, all kind of on this Cubs content team for NBC Sports Chicago. And we had just Vinnie Duber on the White Sox, who were about to, you know, go to the playoffs, obviously some disappointment in being knocked out in the division series, but it looks like they could go pretty far. And so had me switch over to, to bolster that content team. It was great working with Vinny and getting to cover such an exciting time for the team and then, you know, a, a playoff series as well.
1: So and and it looks like moving forward you'll be sticking with the Sox or will you kind of shuffle back and forth or do you know yet?
0: Sticking with the Sox. Um it was so much fun covering the Cubs. I I really enjoyed that, but now we've got our content teams a little more evened up and it's been a blast so far covering the White Sox. So I I find my I consider myself very lucky to have gotten to spend time covering both teams in a city but loves its baseball
1: yeah for sure and and obviously like you said last year you spent some time around that Cubs team what what did you learn about that team or what could you tell us
0: yeah but I mean <clears throat> obviously that run of success that that core group had was so special and so special for this city and it was really cool getting to see I know for years we're like, is this their last hurrah? But I did get to see their actual last hurrah. Um, I mean, getting to interview Anthony Rizzo, a small group after he was traded and he was still hanging around Wrigley, was obviously a, a huge moment for the franchise and cool moment for me to be there and, and see all the emotion Uh, where he was excited about this new chapter but obviously hard to say goodbye to a place where he really feels like he you know grew into a man and had so many great memories and so many great friendships so that core obviously sticks out to me for the 2020 season the first half of the 2021 season um and then come after the trade deadline it was such a dramatic switch that I've you know, never seen before and certainly never been in kind of a front row seat for. And so it was wild watching all of these new guys come in. I mean, I was in Colorado, I think that that next series after the trade deadline. And as beat writers, we were still trying to figure out putting names to faces and everything. And so that was crazy. But I mean, they, I wasn't there for the very end of the season when they really banded together. like Ian Happ had that great run. We saw Patrick Wisdom really showing flashes, but I missed the Swindy City mania. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get hot until after I had switched over to covering the White Sox. Um, but, I mean, that was a, a fun group for a different reason, right? That they were at this place where, you know, some some guys like... Ian Hap, for example, hadn't been on a team that had nothing to play for before, right? And so having having them try to figure that out and seeing these surprise breakouts was really fun as well when I was covering it firsthand and watching from afar.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of mentioned it how, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, the, the thought was always, is is this the last two route? Are they going to trade one of these guys? Are they going to extend one of these guys? And as that deadline got closer and closer in 2021 and they went on that, I believe 11, maybe 12 game losing streak leading up to that, it it seemed kind of like the writing was on the wall that some of these guys were going to get traded. But were you surprised that all of them got traded?
0: I was. Yeah. I think you're, you're absolutely right about that um, real collapse I think the moment where it really hit home was in Milwaukee when they just got destroyed. It was a brutal series. You could feel just a a different feeling around the team at the time. But still, I wasn't expecting Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez to all go. I thought maybe two of the three. And certainly wasn't expecting Rizzo to be the first. And I think once, once that first, first guy left, and it wasn't Chris Bryant, then everyone started to kind of absorb how how big this turnaround could be. And you know, the Cubs have been very adamant that because they were able to do so much at the deadline that it will speed up the process in the long run. But that doesn't take away the fact that it was a huge gut punch to a lot of fans who poured so much into these guys that they'd seen grow up over the years and obviously seen break the curse. And so you could feel it, you know, even as someone who is an objective journalist, just looking at, at Twitter and just talking to people around the city, you could tell how much that hurt fans.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I my first will be the the first one to say that I definitely cried that, that deadline day, just because yeah. how much, like you said, how much those guys poured into the city and finally turning it into a winning team. I, as a fan, I understand it. It might not have worked baseball wise and I, I can sometimes shift back and forth, but as a fan, it still kind of bothers me that not one of those guys will be Cubs for their whole career. It just doesn't feel right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, especially at the beginning, so many people had, you know, pictured them. I mean, even those guys, you talked about them talking about how much the city means to them. You know, Javi and Rizzo were very adamant that the city means so much and, you know, it's, it's beyond just the team. So yeah, it, it's one of those, I mean, there's so many bigger than baseball moments, right. But I think for the Cubs fan base, that was certainly one of them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of mentioned that, um, Jed Hoyer, you know, eventually sent everybody away and he said there was no reason to go halfway and it would really speed up that, that retool process. They still haven't officially called it a rebuild, but that, that's really what it is. But I'm going to ask, are you surprised with, before the lockout, how the offseason has gone for the Cubs, going out and getting Marcus Stroman, having their names in, uh, paired with Carlos Correa and Trevor Story, things like that. Is that surprising to you?
0: Not entirely. I think the most surprising thing was that they were able to get Stroman right before the deadline. I had kind of thought that they were done, and then they pulled this last-minute move um, which I think puts them in a really good place heading into lockout. Of course, we can't completely judge their offseason until it's gone all the way through, right? And we saw a huge spike in activity before that CBA deadline, uh, which, you know, obviously isn't... In a normal year, you get a little bit of a spike around winter meetings, but you had this other deadline, you have the uncertainty of what the CBA is going to look like. You had players and agents really, some of them pushing for things to get done early. And so you had huge names come off the board. Um, so we could get to post deadline and have very little happen. And I think at that point, Cubs fans would be pretty disappointed or we could see them make a lot more moves, um, go out and get a shortstop. And at that point, then you can say, oh, yeah, okay, they, they are really taking big strides forward. But it's hard to judge right now, but they, I do think that they are in a good place for the time of year and the extenuating circumstances.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and they definitely do have a lot of financial flexibility. So this one I kind of have to ask, even though I think I already know um, the likely answer. Now, Javier Baez has signed with the Tigers but Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Nicholas Castellanos, and Kyle Schwarber are all former Cubs fan um, fan favorites and guys that are still yeah. on the market. Do you think there's any chance any of those guys end up back in Chicago?
0: I wouldn't hold <clears throat> my breath. <laughs> I think that's the answer that you were expecting to yeah. hear. Um, especially with you know guys like Brian and Rizzo. I, I just think that that chapter has closed and they're opening up a new chapter. There's no real reason for, for either side to, you know, move, move backwards in a sense. Um, But, you know, I, I could be wrong, right? I would never say never, but I definitely would not be uh, a, if you're for Cubs fans out there, don't count on it. Because I know you've been through a lot in the last year. (laughs) Don't
1: get your hopes up. So obviously none of those guys will sign probably for a while just because of the transaction freeze because of the lockout. So could you tell us just to explain um, what exactly both sides are looking for from this lockout or some things both sides are looking for?
0: Yeah, there's a lot on the table. I know we keep comparing it to 2020 when they couldn't get a deal done to restart the season, but there's so much more at stake at this point. Um, Just to highlight a few, I mean, we know the owners have been interested in playoff expansion, which they tinkered with in the 2020 season. Uh, We know the players are looking for what they consider fair compensation um and one of the things that they really keep pushing is competitiveness and disincentivizing tanking that's one of their big ones uh but the players so far have not circled one main issue and that seems to be a a negotiating tactic right if they don't hone in on one right now then the owners have to figure that out for themselves and um And I'm sure the players are hoping that they get a lot more of their long list of issues addressed um, because they feel that they've kind of they have that the owners have gotten most of what they wanted in the last couple CBA negotiation phases. And so the players are looking to kind of balance the tables a little more whereas the owners are looking for a little more status quo because things have been working for them um and they argue that they have taken sizable hits in the last couple years because of the pandemic of course everyone has right that's not that's not uh that doesn't just go for baseball owners and i think you know of course the general public has taken so many hits that that argument doesn't sit very well publicly. Um, But that's kind of the general lay of the land. And I'm hoping that we saw today. uh, We're talking on Thursday, I'm not sure if it's coming coming out today. (laughs) Um, But today, as of Thursday afternoon, the owners are supposed to be of reports of them doing a counter proposal, which will be the first time that the two sides are talking those core economic issues since the lockout so there's a little bit of hope that you know maybe the ball will start rolling here but it really depends on kind of the sense that they come out of that meeting if things are still as contentious as they have been in the last years to be honest then we could be looking at a long one
1: (laughs) and just some other things that I feel like I've seen a lot just on Twitter and things like that that are expected to happen throughout this. Um, A a rule regarding service time manipulation, so Mm -hmm. no more teams can do what the Cubs did to Chris Bryant back in 2015. And then um, I've seen a lot about the universal DH. Are those two things you expect as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think universal DH is one that both sides like. It's just whether it's going to be held as a bargaining chip or not. And that seems to have loosened up a bit um, in the past year. And then absolutely uh, service time manipulation is a huge thing for the players and something that they've been speaking out against for a while now. And you're right. Chris Bryant is absolutely the go-to example. Um, they've, there's also been talk about whether – whether uh, players can change the rules so that players can enter free agency earlier. So it's a you know ma- matter of counting service time or when that flips over. Uh, so that's another thing kind of under that service time umbrella to look out for.
1: Got it. Okay. So then just flipping out of that in other Cubs news, yesterday, John Lester retired. Um, of course, one of the best pitchers on the twenty sixteen World Series team. He pitched in Game Seven. That was his third championship. He won two before with the Boston Red Sox. Did you ever get the chance to cover him, Maddie?
0: I did, uh, only over Zoom, which is a bummer. But but yeah, he was always great to deal with, and obviously, you know, means so much to to Chicago, and is just kind of a legend in terms of postseason performance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And his signing uh, back in in the winter of 2014 was really that first domino that dropped to really spark the rebuild, and, and he was there through it all. So my question for you now that he's retired is, if you had to say, would you guess he eventually makes the Baseball Hall of Fame?
0: It's a tough one, and I know one that's being debated Across the country right now, really sparked by his uh, his retirement, I think he has a really good case when you talk about postseason performance and when you talk about consistency, and you know there are incredible stats where he's he's kind of among lefty pitchers in a league of like five to ten, right? Um, most of whom are already Hall of Famers, and so. I think he has a really good case in that respect. It just depends on how, what different stats the voters are weighing. And, you know, I'm not eligible to vote for the Hall of Fame yet, but that group is getting younger and you see lots of focus on war. So it's hard to say once he becomes eligible exactly how his career will be looked back on what metrics the voters are really paying attention to. Um, but I definitely think that it's possible and that a very strong case can be made for him.
1: Yeah. That, that's interesting that you mentioned the the metrics that the voters are going to look at because, you know, Lester really came back for that last season so he could get to that 200th win. But mm-hmm this kind of younger generation of baseball fans don't really see the pitcher win mattering as much as the old generation did. So that that's an interesting point.
0: Yeah. I'm in the, I'm a little old school in that way where I do think wins matter, but I think that you have to take them in context, just like any other stat. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm so it's, I'm so happy for him that he got to that real milestone in his career. And I mean, when he hadn't gotten to it as a Cub, I think I, I, I keep I keep sympathizing with Cubs fans here, but hopefully, hopefully they don't get sick of that. Um, I mean, that was something that I think Cubs fans were really excited to see him get to his 200th win in a Cubs jersey, and that didn't happen. Um, but the emotion that he showed that last regular season game at Wrigley when he knew that it could be his last, and it, in fact, was, was I think, something that I wasn't ready for at the time. Because, you know, guys talk all the time about, you know, do you take one game at a time? And to really see that way on him and know that he'd circled that on his calendar, I think, says a lot about what the Cubs and Chicago really meant to him.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and if 2020... 2020- ended up being a full season. There's a chance he would have gotten that 200th um, by the end of that season, but of course had to play through 2021 to get there. Unfortunately for Cubs fans, not in a Cubs uniform. But my last question for you, Maddie, even though you said you you don't or you aren't eligible to vote for the Hall of Fame yet, if you did have a vote this year, who would you put on your ballot?
0: Oh man, that's a tough one to be honest. I have not looked deeply into it. Um, and uh, and to be completely honest, the past few years, I have been very um, almost grateful that I don't have to make those decisions right now because there's some very polarizing decisions about how do we look at guys who are known to have used steroids and all of that, but I mean this is an exciting year, and you know I'm twenty eight so there's a bunch of guys on the ballot who I grew up seeing as um as kind of I don't want to say legends, but they were they were like the stars of my childhood right um, so I think I'm gonna pass on giving my Hall of Fame ballot. uh, But because I know that people get just completely destroyed on Twitter for their actual (laughs) Hall of Fame ballots. uh, So (laughs) I need to think about that one for a little longer. Um, But I do not envy the voters this year, last year. There's some real sticky questions um, that have arisen from those.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see how all those ballots come in once they get um, counted, and we'll also see hopefully some progress in this uh, negotiation. But, Maddie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun.
1: That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner, presented by Coaches Bar & Grill. As always, this episode is available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and the Cubs HQ website. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.